and welcome back to the Meet the Translator podcast. My name is Dot and today I'm going to be chatting to Nicole Fennick about her experience as a legal translator. She'll be sharing what she does and how she got to where she is now, providing us with lots of information on what legal translation is and what it encompasses, reminding us about that all-important indemnity insurance and offering plenty of tips for aspiring legal translators. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi Nicole, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. It's really great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to be here. So can you give a little introduction um, of yourself, what you do and um, your journey to becoming a legal translator? Yes, Um, uh, it's definitely been a journey. I am a legal translator from French into English and I guess also a a lawyer linguist. I offer other services um, that involve using my languages and also using my my skills as a lawyer. I am the face behind Cully Translate and I founded that back in 2018 Um, and it's definitely been a journey since then. I kind of fell into freelancing. I was going to go in-house but I ended up freelancing for a while just to earn some money and before I knew it I realized that actually yeah I can I could make a business out of this I could I could live off it fell in love with it and here we are the rest is the rest is history as they say but yeah my background is my undergraduate degree was in uh, English and French law and I always I think from a very young age really probably about I was probably about 13 or 14 and I Definitely knew that I wanted to um, use languages in my career, definitely. Um, And I think I always knew that I wanted to be a lawyer of some form. So I think it was only natural for me to, and that never, that never wavered. Um, I think we all have childhood dreams of maybe, you know, doing, being a police officer or being a doctor. And sometimes that changes. But for me, my love for languages has been unwavering. And I think I probably love languages more now than I think I ever did. So yeah, that's what I did for my undergraduate. And then I went into the legal profession and realised that I wasn't able to use my languages as much as I wanted to. And I think deep down, all my friends said to me, you have always been more of a linguist than a lawyer. Um, And I think you... But it took me a while to realise that. I think sometimes, you know, we have to we have to find our own way in life. And I realised that for me, I just wasn't using my French as much. And I was doing a lot of legal translation for the firm that I was working for. The, uh, the Brexit referendum had just happened. And I thought, OK, it's now or never. I need to go back to university at the age of 25 and, um, and do my master's in translation. Best thing I ever did. So, yeah, I did my master's in translation and then ended up going freelance. And here we are three years later. Mm, yeah thanks for thanks for sharing that so let's kind of hop into legal translation let's get to the basics what what is legal translation what does it encompass that is a very good question but quite a difficult question to answer actually because legal translation covers so much and I think there's also lots of other areas that will um will tie in quite nicely with legal translation so for example I have a lot of colleagues who do medical translation but they will also um, end up doing some um some legal translation too just because of the nature of the documents and things and it's it's similar for me I've had I've had basic medical um documents which are more of a more legal in nature and so I think legal translation often um you will find lots of 
documents that are in lots of different areas that require a legal translator to translate them. But yeah, it is like any specialism, there's so many different areas. <laughs> and so it can range from something like a contract um, to a copyright agreement, something to do with uh, a criminal court case, you know, that it really does, it really does range. And you will find legal translators who are very specialised in one particular area, because I think it's really important that this is definitely an area where you have to be specialised. Mm -hmm. And I think what always springs to mind here is that if you needed brain surgery, you wouldn't want a cardiothoracic surgeon. You would want a neurosurgeon. And so it's exactly the same with legal translation. You need somebody who knows the area, you know, and knows knows what they're doing. Because as much as much as you need to know the terminology, you also need to know how the documents are structured, how they work. And so I think for me, having a um, Having a dual law degree really helps because, for example, um, when I translate contracts, which I do a lot, I I will understand that some of the some of the concepts in French law do not exist in English law, and so obviously for me, I have to translate the language from a linguistic point of view, but also from a legal point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, and that probably that probably sort of leads on to whether you can be whether you can be a legal translator without a legal background. Because I think that's often a question that people like to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely think that um, it helps if you have legal training. It definitely helps. There's no doubt about that. Um, and it will definitely make you a better legal translator. However, I don't think that you have to have, let's say, a formal formal legal training mm-hmm. to, to become a legal translator. However, I do definitely think that if, if that's something that you want to do, you definitely need to get a lot of training um, mm-hmm. in order to do that. But uh, a friend of mine, she has no legal background, but is just very, very passionate about, about the legal industry and about a very particular area of, of the law. And so she's gone away and taken professional um, professional qualifications in that particular area, very, very niche, um, and has done lots and lots of CPD. And now she's a fantastic legal translator into Spanish. You know, mm-hmm. she, um, but she doesn't have a, she doesn't have a law degree. She, her background is languages. But that just goes to show that, you know, if you're determined and it's an area that you really want to get involved in, then, then you definitely, you definitely can do it. But you just need to be prepared to to work at it a lot. Like, you know, like any specialism, we all um, language is a living phenomenon. So you always need to make sure that you're you're working on it, whether it's legal translation, creative translation or medical translation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's at the end of the day, it's the knowledge that you've got and not the certificates that you have to show what you've done. Obviously, exactly. it helps. It helps to be able to show clients proof that you have that knowledge. But at the end yeah. of the day, like it is the knowledge that you need. Um, yeah. So def- I guess definitely. it doesn't really matter how you go about getting that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think I'm a massive advocate of um, people being able to access a particular career through a non-conventional route. I'm a huge mm-hmm. advocate of that because university isn't for everybody. And, and I definitely think that it's important that there are alternative routes and that you can come at it at a, at a later stage in life. You know, I have mentees who've worked in other, other industries, but language has always, has always been a part of their career. And now they want to specialize in translation. And, you know, and I don't think it's never too late. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not. And I, I definitely think that it's something that you, it's just something that you, that you have to work at. Mm-hmm. 
and it's not always something you have to spend loads of money on as well like there's different like I've been kind of developing my skills through some of the free courses that the open university has or like you can I don't know do volunteering or like internships and things where you can like get that knowledge other ways than spending all your money on courses and university and things I guess yeah yeah no definitely I think that's a really good point and I think one of the advantages, if we can call it an advantage, of the, the last 18 months is that there is, there's a lot of resources that are now available online mm-hmm. um, because, you know, everybody's sort of been in a, in a difficult place in life. And so I think there's been more resources online to help us develop our businesses um, and generally just to keep us out of mischief, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, there's been some great courses out there. And I think, yeah, I definitely used it as an opportunity to, to think, OK, you know, how can I make myself better now? How can I look back and think, okay, yeah, that was a difficult time in life, but I did lots and lots of CPD and I really improved my skills so that when the market picks up again and when life goes back to normal, whenever that will be, whether it be a new normal or or whatever, then, you know, you've armed yourself with lots of new skills, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. So now that you're a legal translator, you said that you kind of came from a legal background and went into it that way. Is that is that why you decided to do legal translation over something else? Were you ever thinking about any other kind of areas of translation or you just like, I've got this legal background, this is what I like, I'm going to be a legal translator? Yeah, I think for me, it was, I mean, if you believe in destiny, I think for me, that's, you know, that's that's where I was that's always what I was going to do. And I think, you know, it can be a difficult time in your life when you're doing a master's in translation and you are trying to figure out what, um, what your specialism should be. And I think for me, it was always very clear. I was never going to really do anything else. Don't get me wrong. I, I have lots of other interests. I'm not a complete legal nerd. I mean, mainly I am, but you know, I have lots of other interests and lots of other passions, but I do think that for me, it was just a natural progression really. And I think I was very lucky that that was the case because, um, I did my masters with some fantastic people and they, they maybe hadn't been in the world of work as long or they maybe had just done their undergraduate. And so they were still kind of finding their way and trying to figure out what sort of translation they wanted to, they wanted to do. And the course that I did at Durham was, was very good because they, they give us the opportunity to, to do different types of translation. And I was obviously, when I heard that there was a legal translation module, I was super excited and I couldn't wait for it. And all of the other people in my French to English translation class were like, oh, Nicole, this is going to be so dull. And I really weren't looking forward to it. But I was like, yeah, this is going to be great, guys. But yeah, equally, there were some other areas that maybe maybe weren't as interesting for me. But it was really good. You know, we looked at things like journalistic texts, environmental texts, um, literary texts. So it was, it, was, it was good to have that. And again, I think that kind of reinforced to me, yeah, legal is, you know, legal mm-hmm. is what I, what I want to do. Um, so for me, it was a, it was a very natural natural progression really but I do kind of I do dip my toe into other other areas so I for example I translate the um, press articles that come out of the European Parliament Mm -hmm. um, every day so again yes there's a legal element there but generally they're just you know it's European politics and, and European affairs which again is something that I'm really really interested in so, yeah, I do quite a lot of work like that, too. And um, I definitely think that they are kind of um, interlinked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's something we kind of we 
touched upon in the first ever podcast episode which you actually recorded a little snippet for that we had in there about the fact that often doing your master's a, a lot of time like like me I came straight from doing my undergrad went into the master's I hadn't really got any background in any particular specialism and I didn't even I think I didn't even realize at first that you needed a specialism I was like oh I just translate content like it's I can just translate anything when I know the languages but like that's just (laughs) I learned very quickly that that's not true and but it was kind of hard to be like okay now what what do I specialize in like what do I like what am I knowledgeable in I think a lot of people start out like that not really knowing where to go or what to do and I guess like for me I was kind of like okay I'm not I knew I knew straight away I was like I'm not going to go into legal or medical because like it's just it was really daunting I was like their whole basically whole nother languages (laughs) like you have to learn and I was like it's I wasn't I feel like I I feel like maybe to do those kind of things you have to really really love it and like I I I think it's so cool that you love like legal stuff so much because like I think a lot of people would be like oh that sounds really boring like not (laughs) not to cause any offense but like no no, of course be honest so you know I look at um I look at the people especially like you who have a much more sort of creative field I think oh that must be so cool to be so creative because to be honest there's only so creative that I can be with a legal document but you know we're all we're all different and that's obviously really important and I think yeah I think for me if I'm really honest I think what it boils down to is that I think Often when you ask somebody why they want to be a lawyer, one of the most common answers, as cliche as it sounds, is I want to help people. And I think that was definitely a huge part of why I wanted to be a lawyer. I, you know, I wanted to make sure that people knew their rights, had access, had access to, to the advice that would allow them to make sure that they, they can enforce those rights. Um, and I think for me, that was always something that was really important. And I think with legal translation, the way that I see it is it just you know, it, it it provides a it provides a way of of people being able to enforce enforce their rights because they understand them in English, and I I can I can give them that, and I think I think in a way that's quite special really, um, and and it means that I can you know some of the things maybe aren't as exciting as others, but if I can if I can translate a the documents associated with a property purchase in France, for example. You know, that could be somebody's dream home that they've always wanted to, you know, retire to or whatever. They've been saving up for their for, for their whole life for that. And I can translate those those contracts so that they know what they're getting themselves into. Or equally, if somebody maybe wants to get you know, wants to get married in the UK or something like that, you know, they're really special moments in people's lives. And the legal you really don't want the legal side of things getting in the way. And and so obviously that's something that's something that I can help with. Mm-hmm. When you say about sort of helping helping people with it, are there different kinds of ways that you write the content in English? Because like I'm not I'm not sure if it's called like simple law or something. I don't know. Yeah, you because know, I feel English. like yeah, like plain, plain English. English. Because like I yeah. personally, a lot of the time I look, I'll look at a legal document, and a it's it might be like thirty pages long, and b. I'm like I have no idea what half of these words are I'm like who is who is this person what does this mean like I a lot of time I struggle to understand it which is I mean one of the main reasons that I (laughs) would not do a legal translation because if I can't even understand the English but like do you are there different 
kind of translation where you translate it into that kind of English where it's very like those the kind of language that like people like me don't always understand or do you also have it in like more simpler versions where like it's like I'd be able to understand it yeah both I think you basically you basically hit the hit the nail on the head there with um with the legal industry you know there are lots of documents that are extremely long that's just standard (laughs) and and they're also usually very difficult to understand and so for me it depends who my audience is really you know if I'm translating something for another lawyer an English-speaking lawyer then obviously uh, they may not necessarily understand the the nuances of uh, a French law but they you know as long as I'm putting it into coherent English they will understand what what's going on and I don't necessarily I can use the language because they're trained lawyers however if it's for somebody, if it's for a lay person, so somebody who isn't like like yourself, who isn't a trained lawyer, mm-hmm. then then yeah, I will I will often change the way. Well, I definitely will change the way in which I translate something, because obviously, if they're wanting to understand exactly what's going on, um, then then that's that's my job. You know, I'm the one who gives them access to to that. And if they don't understand, even if it's in English, perfect English. Legal English, like you say, is a completely different language. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is. So, so yeah, I think it's um, you definitely need to be aware. Again, something we're always taught: you need to know who you're translating for, mm-hmm. because that is so so important in any in any specialism. Mm, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, I'm going to move on to a question which we've had from Kelsey who asks, what steps do you take to mitigate any liability issues that may arise from your translations, other than delivering brilliant translations, of course? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question from Kelsey. Um, And I think I'll make it specific to legal translation, but I think it applies to any any area of specialism. And I think the first thing I would say is make sure that if you are a freelance translator, that you have professional indemnity insurance. It is really, really important no matter what area you're working in it's really important that you you have that some clients won't work with you if you don't have it but more importantly you know you need to protect yourself and your business because what you don't want happening is that you get sued for for something that you know we're all human mistakes do happen and we can we can do everything to avoid them but sometimes unfortunately you know they they do happen and that's why we have insurance in the same way that you um, insure your car if you you know have a bump on on the way to the supermarket or something like that you've got your insurance there it's exactly the same so yeah definitely if you haven't got it make sure that you um make sure that you get that because it's really really important for me I just make sure that I have a very very rigorous quality assurance process so I I will translate something but I will often have somebody else I will often have an external proofreader Mm-hmm. which is something that I will obviously make sure that I have approved with the client etc but that is something that's really important I think and a lot of legal translators a lot of translators generally will will work like that but definitely legal translators they will have somebody else who they work closely with because I think that's that's definitely really 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 important I will 
I will make sure that I do lots and lots of research. I won't take on projects that are in an area that I don't know anything about, unless it's something that perhaps is, say, for example, it's a bit more journalistic in, in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of, it's legal, but it's not, it's not purely legal and it's not necessarily for a legal audience. It sort of just touches on, on the area. Then perhaps that's, you know, that's more acceptable because I can do my research, which is one of the things that I love about this job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, I wouldn't, for example, I wouldn't, I wouldn't translate really niche maritime law because that is not an area that I um, know nearly enough about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's really like in, like in any area, it's about knowing, knowing your limits. And I also make sure that I have really good insurance that has very high thresholds just for peace of mind and also for my clients' peace of mind, you know, because I think it's, again, like I said, some people will not work with you unless you, unless you have that in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think actually last week I had a, I had a call from a translator friend who um, is also a legal translator and there were some concerns about a translation that they had they produced and someone was questioning whether whether there was an error in it and you know the consequences of that obviously could have been huge um Mm -hmm. and they didn't they do now but they didn't have insurance Um, Mm and something something that they knew they needed to get but they hadn't it was one of those things you know I'll get around to it don't put it off because you you know what you don't want is you to lose everything that you've worked so hard for so so yeah it's really important that I can't stress that enough really and if that's the only thing that you take away from this from this podcast episode and then it's it is really important and I know that professional um, organizations like um, I'm part of the CIOL they will um, recommend providers Mm -hmm. and so and and the ITI will be the same I'm Mm -hmm. sure and so yeah definitely make sure that you um looking looking to that mm-hmm. yeah I I that's something on my to-do list that you've just sparked me to do right after we've recorded this um but I did recently um for anyone who's an ITI member there is they have a little um webinar which you can go and watch and it's like an hour long I think and they talk about indemnity insurance for translators and they recommend someone as well so that's excellent that's really, that sounds like a good um, web yeah that sounds like a <laughs> A very good webinar, webinar to uh, to watch. So yeah, in short, in answer to Kelsey's question, um, make sure that you have a very rigorous quality assurance process. Don't be afraid to ask experts. I'm very lucky that I have a lot of friends who are lawyers. I have a lot of um, good connections in the industry, mm-hmm. so um, so I can get their advice about particular things. You know, make sure that you've got that insurance and make sure that you are not translating something that is completely out of your comfort zone that you know absolutely nothing about again this is where being niche and being specialized is really really important so another thing that I wanted to ask about um which this gets thrown around quite a lot with clients looking for a certified translator what is a certified translator? Is that anything to do with legal translation? Do you need to be certified to be a legal translator or should all translators be certified? What's that I'm about? S- I'm, so, I'm so glad that you asked this question. So glad. Because this is it, honestly, if I had a pound or a euro for every time I was asked this question, I would honestly be a millionaire. So yeah, thank you for asking that, Dot, because it's a really, really good question. <laughs> Um, okay, so um, I'm a certified translator because I am a, um, a member and a chartered linguist um, as part of the um, Chartered Institute of Linguists. 
So as a member, I'm able to certify documents from French into English. And again, if you're um, if you're a member of the ITI, it's, I know it's exactly the same. But I think with ITI, they give you a really snazzy stamp, which I really, that's another reason for me to become a member, because I need one of those stamps. But you don't need to be, you can be a cert, you can certify documents. You know, if you were a member, you can certify a document. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a legal document. Absolutely not. Um, I would say that sometimes just purely, purely because of the nature of organizations that want certified translations, sometimes they are legal documents. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it can be something like, Something that I've done a lot of in the past is um, somebody who's wanting to study in the UK and they need a certified translation from French into English of their um, transcript from a French-speaking university, something like that, or a birth certificate to apply for a British passport or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you, it may be legal in nature, but it definitely doesn't have to be. And and I think that it is, it is a bit confusing because a lot of clients will ask me, are you a sworn translator? Now, we don't have sworn translators in, um, in the UK. They don't, they don't exist. The closest thing that we have is a certified translator. Mm-hmm. Whereas in France, for example, and in lots of other civil law jurisdictions, they, they will have sworn translators. Um, so, for example, in France, if you're a sworn translator, you're actually a sworn translator for a particular court. So you're actually sort of affiliated with a particular court and you can do sworn translations for them. But yeah, we don't have um, sworn translations, uh, sworn translators in the UK. But we, I can offer certified translations and I often do. Um, and then there's also um, other types of services which people sometimes get confused with. So they might, they might need something uh, notarized or something. They might require a notary to do that. So, for example, I can provide a certified translator, a, a certified translation, and then a notary can notarize that and make sure that it's, um, that it has the, the legal, the legal force that it needs in whichever in whichever jurisdiction you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you can be a certified translator without having um, a legal background or without a legal translator, definitely. I know mm-hmm. lots and lots of people that are. Okay, so tell me about the, the stamp. Like, how is it a, a virtual stamp that you put on something when you've translated it, if it needs to be certified? Or do you have a physical stamp? Do you have to send things hard copy or what's that about? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, um, from my, I haven't got one yet, but <laughs> from my understanding, it is a, it's, you know, a lovely little stamp that you physically will stamp the certified translation with. Something that it's really important to emphasize for certified translations is, um, the advice from professional memberships like ITI and CIUL is always, always to send it in hard copy where, where possible. That's really, really important because obviously if you do send it, um, if you do send it by email or whatever, there is a chance there that it can be uh, it can be altered and things mm-hmm. like that. Pages can be added to it. What I will often do is um, it depends what it's for and it depends what the client what the client needs really. But if they, I might send them a copy, a PDF copy of what I've produced for them, um, but it will be very clear that it is a copy of my certified translation. And I will always send, always, always send a hard copy of my certified translation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will have soon, it will have a stamp on it. But at mm-hmm. the moment, it will have my signature on every single page. And it will be clearly, don't use paper clips. 
make sure that you are um, because again they can you know there's more chance of interference or you know potential fraud there really where people are moving the pages around so yeah I make it very very clear I usually will staple it and sign over it so it's very clear if anybody tries to interfere with it there's lots of little tricks that you can do to make sure that it's you know as authentic as it as authentic as it can be okay that's interesting to to know because that's not something I ever have to I have to deal with with my translations I've never I've never had to do a hard copy of anything it's all I guess, I guess the nature of what you do is um yeah it's not something that you would necessarily no. need um but but yeah just, I can't just imagine. know that you have just know that you have the option yeah I can't <laughs> so imagine a copy of their website copy <laughs> I was like I can't imagine doing a blog post translation and then them being like can you please send that as a hard copy you you, you never know never say never (laughs) so you've you've kind of said about how there's all these different kinds of like legal translation texts what's your favorite to work on I think for me what I do the most of is contracts Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously contracts will range there's a huge range of contracts we contract with people every day um you know you contract with your clients I contract with mine but yeah I, I do a lot of contracts in particular areas so property contracts but I also really really enjoy uh, and again some people find this very boring and perhaps even morbid but an area that I specialized in when I was in legal practice was um private client work so things like wills and things like that wills and probate and mm-hmm. and also things like powers of attorney and things like that you know a difficult time in life but really really important and again it means that you are working so closely with people and you are really you know you're really helping people I mean being able to help somebody with that part of their life is a, is a huge privilege and and so for me that was an area that I always enjoyed so again things things like powers of attorney or things like wills um, again, very, very specialised and and I think very interesting for, for me because I think wills are probably one of the sort of, in lots of jurisdictions, the way that a will is written is so, so specific and the language that's used, certainly with English English wills, mm-hmm. it will probably, you'll read it and you'll think, you'll think you've gone back hundreds if not thousands of years. Mm-hmm. The way that it's written, the way that it's written, and um, which to me is is fascinating. And I think, yeah, it's definitely an area that I that I really enjoy. You know, I you know, so in recent work, for example, somebody um, somebody asked me to translate some some documents in relation to how a property was owned in France because their um, one of their parents had had died, and obviously they were they were looking at the estate and looking at making sure that that was distributed to all of the all of the beneficiaries so again you know a really 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 important thing thing to do but equally you know I can work on contracts that are completely different to that so I think probably the most interesting contract I've ever worked on was probably about two months ago and it was for it was a contract for a French explorer who was um, leading an expedition to the Antarctic Mm-hmm. and um yeah and this is what the contract was um was about you know really really interesting and mm-hmm. um, and and it's always really nice when you get contacted by a client and then you google them and you're like wow this person's famous and <laughs> um, so yeah probably one of probably the most famous person I've done work for really but yeah you know that was 
that's that's amazing and this person is really really passionate about what they what they do um, about climate change about making sure that they are preserving these very very special environments that we you know we definitely don't want to lose I'm mm-hmm. sure David Attenborough would agree with that but also preserving preserving the life that's there and very very niche and minority languages which again you know it's something very close to my Plus mm-hmm. in my heart. So yeah, I mean, for me, that was just a, a dream project, and and that client was absolutely lovely to work with. So um, you know, I, I'm hoping that we can work together again in the future. So, do most of the clients that you work with are they mostly direct clients? Then, from what you've just said, it sounds like there's a lot of direct clients. Or do you also get this kind of work through agencies? And um, I work, I work with both really. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I do work with a lot of direct clients, but I also work with with translation agencies. But I am very selective in the agencies that I work with because, you know, as as we know and as we've discussed in the past, agencies can, you know, don't always offer very competitive rates but also you know the nature of the work that they're offering you and the turnaround times can be completely unrealistic for for legal translation in you know in some instances however I must admit that my experience of translation agencies the ones that I work with has been hugely positive you know really really professional fantastic project managers you know very very supportive um, mm-hmm. and you know there's probably three or four agencies that I've worked with from the very, very beginning of when I first started out. And I work with them, you know, sometimes on a daily, certainly weekly basis. And the work that they send is very good quality. They pay and um, they pay well. And it's just, yeah, it's just a different, a, a different way of working. Um, but it, but it is, it is nice sometimes to have that, to work, to work with a, with a, a translation agency who obviously, knows how things work but you don't have to directly interact with the client but equally I love the side of my business where I have that direct contact with the client and I can really you know really really get to know exactly what it is they want and how how I can help them Mm -hmm. yeah I guess it's nice to have that that balance I definitely find that with my work I like having the balance of direct clients and agencies so for anyone who is listening to this and thinking oh I'd quite either either they're already a translator and they want to go and specialize in legal translation or they're just kind of uh, I don't know maybe they're already in the in the legal industry and wanting to go into translation do you have any advice for them or can you kind of explain like is there like a route that you'd recommend going into it or as you kind of said before like I guess there's a lot of different ways but what what advice do you have anyway? Um, I think for somebody who's thinking of becoming a legal translator, I think I definitely wouldn't rule anybody out. You know, I don't necessarily think that you have to have done a law degree or anything like that. Um, yes, that definitely helps. But what I would say, I think, is that if you want to become a legal translator, you have to be prepared to be to, to work on your on your knowledge all the time because the law is constantly changing and so is language so you kind of have you kind of have two challenges really because you need to keep up to date with your language but also with your knowledge of your area but that's you know that's that's true of any of any area really and it will be the same for something like um, medical translation well I think my advice to you would be definitely if it's something that you're thinking of doing but you're not sure if it's an area fit for you then maybe maybe think about contacting somebody who's already working in the in the industry so somebody like me for example who mentors um, emerging translators and um, you know so that you can kind of get a feel for what 
what it's really like being a legal translator day to day and and also discover what sort of area you want to work in within legal translation you know mm-hmm. what 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 area do you want to specialize in because again like you said it's really important that you are that you're a specialist within that area you can't just be a legal translator because there's no way that you can cover all of those areas it's just unless even if you're superhuman it's just you know it's just not practical um, mm-hmm. make sure that you're um, attending either virtually or in person um, industry events and things like mm-hmm. that first and foremost you have to have a very you have to have a passion and a very keen interest in the law because otherwise you'll probably just find it very very boring and I always this is something that I always say to my um, to my mentees you know you always do better at things that you enjoy Mm-hmm. So um, if you if it turns out that actually you think it, that legal translation is a bit dry or something like that, you know, you that's what you're going to be doing for a long, long time until you retire, potentially. So, yeah, so make sure that it is something that you really want to do. And I think the best way that you can do that really is to get experience, do a lot of research, um, attend industry events, speak to lots of other legal translators and sign up for my mentoring programme. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was going to ask you about your your mentoring program. Is it is it specifically aimed at um, people who are wanting to become legal translators, or is it for everyone? It's funny you should say that because I actually I don't have any I don't have any mentees at the moment who are wanting to specialise in legal translation in particular. Mm-hmm. One is sort of on the fence and is thinking about it, but no, all of the others do very very are very interested. In, in other areas they've either decided on an area or they're at that point where they're trying to figure out you know what's what's their niche going to be and um, so no absolutely not my program is very much about setting up as a freelance translator all the skills that you need all the practical side of things you know things that you need to put in place um, such as professional indemnity insurance things like mm-hmm. that it's a it's a very practical mentoring program. Yes, we can get down to specifics. I mean, there's nothing more interesting for me than having a good old chat about legal translation and how I get into that. But equally, it's really, really interesting for me to hear from my mentees who really want to get into creative translation or um, they are really, really passionate about sustainability or, or marketing or, you know, all the other areas that you can think of. So no, it's definitely not just legal translators, but obviously because of my background, if that's something that you're interested in, then obviously I would love to hear from you and then I can make it much more specific to legal translation. But no, it uh, it doesn't have to be specific to legal translation. I'm definitely open to other specialisms. <laughs> okay, I'll put a um um in the in the show notes of this episode, I'll I'll put places where people can contact you and a link for your mentoring program as well for anyone who does want to go and check that out. Um, Thank you so much. That's very kind of you. <laughs> so if so when people start out and they they get their they start getting their legal knowledge, they practice their languages and everything, like how do you find those clients in the legal industry? We all kind of know how to how you find the agencies, but where do you find those direct clients to do the legal translations? I think like in any industry, that's that's the question that we all want the, the answer to, isn't it, really? Where do we find those dream clients? 
I mean, I'll tell you a little bit about how I found them because, because I've come from that industry. I did have some quite good contacts. So mm-hmm. colleagues and friends of mine who were in the legal industry, you know, if they need something translating from French into English, oh, I know he'll do that. Nicole, she saw the light, moved from the legal industry and now she's, um, now she's doing legal translation. Equally, if there's another language combination, I'll have colleagues who'll say, oh, Nicole, you know, do, do you have anyone that you can recommend? And I often do that, which is one of the things that I really, you know, really like to do and I love about our industry in that it's very collaborative mm-hmm. and we we will often refer work to other people and we can recommend people which is which is which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. So yeah I think it is a difficult one but I think once you know what area you want to work in then obviously it's a lot easier like in anything for you to target and um, for example law firms who specialise in that particular area or do a lot of work in the Spanish-speaking world or the French-speaking world. But I think it's, yeah, I think trying to find direct clients is is always is always a tricky one, really. And I think if they come to you, fantastic. You know, that's, all, that's always the dream in that they contact you. I think a really important thing is for you to make sure that you are out there, you're active, you are hanging out where your dream clients hang out. And obviously that helps them find you because there's always going to be an element of them finding you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that also, you know, word of mouth is really important. Um, so many people will say, oh, Nicole, one of my clients asked for something legal. It's, it, you know, it's the last thing that I want to do. Please, can you help me? So again, you know, word of mouth, like, like in any industry, is really, really important. Um, so, so yeah, but I think if you've decided whatever you want to, what you want to work, whatever you want to work in, then that would, you know, you can then um, start to narrow down your potential clients and, and approach them. Um, I think something that I really, really want to do um, is in the past, I've been to a lot of legal conferences um, and I've never, ever met a translator at one. So what I'd really like to do is um, I'm double jabbed and now things are changing, you know, now things are hopefully improving and moving in the right direction and mm-hmm. things are starting to become, um, you know, there are in-person events and conferences. What I'd really, really like to do is um, is attend a legal industry event and, you know, and speak to speak to legal professionals and see how I can help them really because I'm almost certain that I can help them often like in lots of professions they don't necessarily know how translators work and I think again it's about educating people and I think the chances of there being another legal translator at a legal industry event like that you know if there is there's probably maybe going to be one at a push so again, you there that is a that's perfect for me you know that's like that's like the dream because basically I've got you know, lots of potential clients in one room. It's just a case mm-hmm. of me, you know, making those connections, networking and and making sure that they know who I am and what I do and how, how I can help them help their clients really. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's something that like you have to have a lot of confidence to do that. Like I've I've recently started going to in-person events again, but there I say again, I never I didn't really go to any before because of COVID, but um I've started going to some, but they're like translator events with loads of other translators. And it's so easy to get on and talk to everyone because we all have similar experiences. I can imagine it's quite daunting turning up to an event where everyone has a completely different job and especially like obviously you have the legal knowledge, but like going up to people and being the only translator it must be quite quite daunting to do that yeah I would imagine it is um I mean I'm talking about this is what I'm going to do but I'm not yet 
the the um how I mean I will be able to do it but I'll definitely have to psych myself up for a good few weeks you know the the old imposter syndrome will definitely kick in um (laughs) but at the end of the day I can talk for England or Spain or any country and I I just you know I'm a really friendly person and I'm really passionate about what I do I'm interested in what they do we're all human so I think there's nothing stopping stopping us having a really you know a really nice conversation Mm -hmm. um and I think ultimately one of the things that I really live by is that people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it mm-hmm. and so I think that you know if it's obvious that I am really passionate about that area and it's something and I'm good at what I do then then I think you know kind of to a certain extent the the deal is done really but yeah I think you do have to I wouldn't I don't know I wouldn't necessarily classify myself as a, I'm definitely not a shy person <laughs> but I wouldn't necessarily classify myself as a confident person either. I, you know, I work, I work really hard at what I do and I really, and I think I'm pretty good at what I do and I love it. But, you know, I think like anybody, we all, we all have our, um, we all have our struggles with our confidence. But um, I also think that it's really important sometimes to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And and I think I saw actually yesterday that you had you went to a wild swimming event with other translators, which is yeah. really really cool. And I have a, a couple of other translator friends who are also into their wild swimming, which I think is which I think is fab. And you obviously said that you pushed yourself out of your your comfort zone there. And you know, yeah, it's a little bit scary. Oh, what happens if nobody talks to me? And what happens if I'm mm-hmm. you know swimming by myself? But you know, there's there's going to be other people that are going to want to talk to you there. And like you say you all have common interests because you're there while swimming and you are all translators so that's you know yeah. what a fantastic group of people and equally if I decide to throw myself in at the deep end and go to a um, go to a legal conference or legal industry event then th- we're going to have some things in common you know mm-hmm. even if it's the fact that simple and I say this to my men- mentees sometimes simple things that's why it's so important that and I'm sure you'll agree with this things like your website copy and things something that I I recently redid my website copy myself and I I wanted to make it very clear that the sort of person that I am, as well as being a professional, you know, the sort of service that I offer. And I, for me, it's really important that I offer a friendly, friendly service. And, you know, why can't a fantastic service also be friendly? And I want my clients to enjoy, I want my clients to enjoy that. And, And so I think, you know, it's, it's really important to just, to just be yourself and, and and make sure that you are you make connections with people but just just find something that you that you, that you have in common you'll be honestly the amount of people that have said to me just from looking at my my website or looking at other other networks that I'm on oh Nicole you have a dog you love dogs too yes anybody who says that they love dogs instant connection you know something <laughs> as simple as that mm. it's or cats or whatever your animal of choice is yeah uh, rabbits I know you're yeah. a rabbit fan. <laughs> Um, so just uh, how many people at that conference I mean this might sound a little bit silly but how many people at that conference will have a dog they might be lawyers but I bet they love walking their dog when they Mm -hmm. get home from the office after a hard day you know things like that are just the human element I think it's really important that we that we never lose that and at the end of the day there's always going to be something that we can find to talk about even if it isn't about the law you know because dogs are Mm -hmm. way more interesting than the law definitely (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm the same. Like, if, with with rabbits, I love posting pictures of my rabbits, and it it's a great way to spark <laughs> to spark conversations. But I think, like, yeah. from yeah, all this, like, to get clients to do well in the industry, like, you you just have to network. Yeah, it's, definitely. I'm the same. Like, so much of my work comes from people that I know or people that have referred me to someone and it's like see I basically I just joined the ITI and the Northwest Translators Network last month and I'm kicking myself that I didn't join it sooner because the past two years I've been networking on LinkedIn on Instagram and it's great I love I absolutely love LinkedIn it's amazing I've made amazing connections and friends but now it's like oh I can go to in-person things there's people that actually live nearby and there's different kinds of people that do different things in different ways like they're not necessarily yeah. on LinkedIn they they network in different ways and I'm learning so much from them and it's just like and and the world swimming of course like anything like yeah it's yeah. it's a really nice way to network in a in a casual way because my best, biggest thing was like oh I don't wear smart clothes <laughs> I don't have smart clothes and I was like how am I going to go to a conference or go to a translation event when I I don't like I don't suit smart clothes maybe I just haven't found the right ones but that, that is such a silly thing so I was maybe, like, we should, yeah, well, maybe we should go on a shopping trip <laughs> maybe but I was like well swimming is great because I don't have to turn up looking smart I'm literally gonna get in a lake like <laughs> yeah well exactly you know and I think but also I think our in our industry we you know we don't have to it is more it is more relaxed in that sense and that you can be smart you know you can be the best translator um, in the world and you can rock up um, wearing your Vans or your Converse. Like, I love I love my Vans, you know. I would live in them if I could. I often do, you know. So there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. And, yeah, okay, there's, there's certain instances where we need to be look a bit more smart and make a bit more of an effort, which is quite nice, actually. You know, it makes a change from, uh, from the gym wear that, you know, we often wear when we're at our desks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that's – and I think it's that, uh, I think it's that age-old thing of it's not what, you know, it's who you know. You know, I think it's 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 that's really really important because obviously you know that will help you to build your networks and 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 word of mouth and things. That's that's great. But I also, like you said, I think it's great that you're meeting other people in different ways because I think there are translators who we are known for being quite introverted, and so some translators they aren't on. You no, know, they maybe aren't on LinkedIn at all, or they're not on um, on Twitter or on Instagram or anything like that. So, in-person events, it's really, really nice to meet people um, who are really good at what they do, really passionate and experienced, and we can learn a lot from them. But maybe they don't hang out in all the places that we hang out, which is mm. which is absolutely fine. But like, yeah, like you say, you meet different people um, at in-person events, which is you see some familiar faces from from LinkedIn and things, but you also get to see new faces. So, no, mm. I think that's I think that's really good. Yeah. And it's not only about getting work from each other. Like we're I'm learning we're learning so much from each other as well. And like Definitely. it's also just having friends, like <laughs> having yeah. like colleagues without actually being sat in an office with people every day. We can still have colleagues and have we can go to co-working spaces and we can, you know, have like <laughs> human interaction. And it's yeah. it's it's really nice. That- that human that human interaction that we that we all crave especially after the last 18 months oh, no, yeah. I think it's definitely and I think for me I the networking is kind of an added bonus but for me when I for example when I first started my Instagram account it started me in Eastern Europe um posting a few pictures of the uh, 
terrible translations that I saw in supermarkets that will, will re remain nameless and, you know, on menus and things like that. And then it kind of evolved from there, but uh, as well as LinkedIn, but on Instagram, I've met, you know, that's how we met. Mm -hmm. um, and lots, you know, I've met lots of other translators who who were not, you know, who were fantastic colleagues and also really, really good friends who I really look up to and who have taught me a lot. That's the for me. That's the that's the most important thing. I mean, of course, you know, if they send work my way or ask me to do work for them, you know, that's lovely. That's fantastic. I really, really appreciate that. Of course, mm -hmm. but just having colleagues that I can reach out to and say, you know, what would you do in this situation? I'm having, you know, I'm having this issue, or I'm not really sure how to go about this. That's mm -hmm. really, really important because, um, you know, when you are freelance, you you don't have that structure of, you know, a big business where there's, you know, a manager to ask or something like that, mm -hmm. or um, you can ask HR about certain things, or you can ask legal about terms and conditions and things like that. Yeah, I think it's it's something that that's a fantastic thing about our industry, you know, is it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely refreshing from things that I've experienced in the past. An industry which is very much collaborative, you know, rather than um, rather than competitors. Because you know, there's lots of other French key English legal translators out there, but is their service as friendly as mine? Maybe not. You know, how are they treating themselves? Mm -hmm. Is it, it's, it could be more friendly, less friendly? You know, and the things that they their prices could be different the types of service that they offer and um, you know there's lots of ways in which we can differentiate ourselves mm -hmm. so I think it's yeah I always really really um, appreciate the collaborative um, environment that we're in mm -hmm. and they might not have a dog so that's <laughs> well exactly yeah that is very true <laughs> always oh, oh, always always a bonus I really feel sorry for them <laughs> but if they do if they get a new puppy always happy to puppy sit <laughs> Uh, okay right I, I think we're sort of coming coming to the end how can people get in touch with you if anyone has any more questions for you or they want to just chat with you they want to join your mentoring program or if they are a client and they're looking for a legal translator you can find me you can find me in all sorts of places really um <laughs> Um, you can find me on my website, which is www.colleytranslates.com. Mm -hmm. um, my email address is info at colleytranslates.com. Mm -hmm. You can also find me on Instagram under the handle colleytranslates, which, again, you can see what I'm up to and um, what I've been working on and what I'm all about. And I think, um, yeah, if you have a look at my website or if you have a look at my Instagram, you'll see you know how I work who I like to work with you know find uh, find a little bit about um behind the scenes but yeah I would love to hear from I would love to hear from anybody who, who wants to get in touch and recently I also created some um free a free template uh, a free template for terms of business for translators or freelancers in general mm -hmm. um, and I think quite a lot of people have found those quite useful because again I know lots of people either have no idea how to use their terms and conditions don't really understand them or they just agree to other people's so so yeah if you're looking for a, a free template of terms of business that can be used for freelancers that are in plain English so I promise that you'll understand them then then get in touch with me and I'll I'll happily provide that resource to you oh thank you that sounds great um yeah I'll put all of those links in the show notes as well so it's really easy for anyone just to 
tick instead of typing it all out perfect thank you so much for having me and um yeah anybody if you've got any questions you know ask away i'm always happy to answer answer questions um, and there's no such thing as a silly question and i can guarantee you that if you want to ask the question there's at least one other person in the world who also is wanting to ask that question and um, so yeah i would i would absolutely love to hear from you and my my inbox is um is always open yeah thank you thank you so much for um coming on my podcast today and sharing all of your knowledge it's been um it's been really interesting for me actually i'm surprised how interesting i found not that i didn't think i'd find it interesting but i'm surprised how interesting i've found learning about legal translation when i'm <laughs> someone who's really not into, <laughs> into have, I, have, have, have i converted i mean I might not go, I might not become a legal <laughs> translator, but I'm I'm really interested that I now know more about it and about yeah. the thing that I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. I think it's, you know, it's great to know what you do want to do in life, but it's also equally as important to know what you yeah. do, you know, what, what yeah. isn't for you, you know, we're all different. But no, thank you so much for, for having me. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and it's it's really nice to talk about about what I love really and pass on any any knowledge that I that I do have because it was definitely something that I I needed when I first started and there wasn't you know this podcast would have been fantastic for me to kind of feel like I wasn't the the only person um mm-hmm. you know looking to kind of go into this area and you know what should I do looking for some advice so no it's been it's been an absolute pleasure and nice to nice to chat to you about all things legal translation mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure it's been really really um useful for a lot of people and if you're listening and you have found this really useful go and go and send Nicole a message and let her know yeah thank you I would I would love to hear from you (laughs) thanks again for coming on um it's been really great to chat with you bye thanks so much doc take care bye thanks for listening to the legal translation episode of the meet the translator podcast I hope you found Nicole's knowledge and experience as interesting as I have Make sure to check out the show notes if you want to get in touch with Nicole and email meetthetranslator at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments about the podcast. Thanks again to Nicole for joining me today. See you next time.